up, y'all? Casey here, bringing you episode 60 of Get Real with Casey Kasem. Only three more years until we get to episode 100. You're supposed to laugh there. Okay, this episode features senior producer with SiriusXM Fantasy, Sandro Anello. You can follow Sandro on Twitter at OnlySandro. This great conversation included topics such as living in a van, possibly down by the river, riding a bike from New Jersey to California, birthday touchdowns, live drafting with high school friends, watching baseball, and much, much more. You can find me on Twitter at DKCKSM as well as the podcast at GetReal underscore pod. This podcast is a proud member of the DAP Network. Also, just a heads up in case it doesn't sound as super crystal clear as one would like. I got a new microphone, but I didn't know how to use it that well when I interviewed Sandro. I had it sitting in the wrong spot. Hopefully it doesn't sound too ridiculous, especially since I interviewed a guy whose job it is to make people sound good. Oh, and if you can recommend some good headphones, that'd be hella fly. Tweet at me. Alright, and with that, here's my conversation with Sandro Anello. Chat here. How'd you uh, like the expo? I thought it was great. Uh, every year it's growing. So it's like awesome that it's, it's gotten so big and, um, it's really nice that everyone's like super friendly still, you know, there, there aren't like little, there aren't walls really. And that's, that's cool. Yeah. And I, I mean, I saw you and said hi to you, but like really didn't get to talk, talk with you this time around just because like there was so much going on and there were so many people there. Um, how cool is it to see a group of people that are involved in the same type of thing all together in one spot like that i you know it's it's funny because like i'm i'm like adopted into the fantasy industry yeah because i i did not aim to be in the fantasy industry i'm uh you know i i'm a radio broadcasting person like i i went to school for broadcast and i was just brought on to like I was hired by Sirius XM and I do fantasy sports. So I've been to events before for other things. And it's just really like amazing to see the community um, in all different aspects. I've been to a bunch of, you know, I've been to FSGA. I've been to the expo. I've been to other uh, high stakes events. And uh, it's just a really great group of people that, that show up in Canton and it's at the hall of fame. And there's, there's so much going on. And I, it's really great that people do get the time to kind of like hang one-on-one for a pretty good amount of time with some of the you know, people that they idolize or are fans of, or even friendships. And I always say, this is like the Twitter event. Like you, <laughs> you find you the Twitter handles and you put a face to the name and it's, it's really, really fun to, to get, to have an actual conversation that isn't limited to just like texts or watching TikToks. And so you brought up the fact that you're not this normal fantasy football person, per se, if if you think about what you do. Um, For people who don't know exactly what you do, what is uh, your job title and what does that entail? Sure. I'm a senior producer at SiriusXM, the fantasy sports channel, uh, channel 87. And what I do is I, uh, I basically help my hosts and other uh, people on the in the department, you know, sound the best that they can. You know, I worked with a lot of great hosts. I still work with a lot of great hosts at the time, uh, at, at this moment. And we, uh, you know, they they have their ideas. I, I come from a political talk background, which I'm not political in any way, but I do have uh, these comparisons that I make with some of my old producer buddies 
saying like, you know, they're like, oh, it's crazy that you went from politics to fantasy sports. Well, no, not really. Like my hosts now have their ways. They're kind of setting them and there's not much you can do to sway them. Not that it's good or bad, right? Like right. some people believe in handcuffing running backs and some don't. Right. So that's a fundamental difference in the industry. And my job isn't to battle them or to always agree with them, but to make sure that whatever they believe in, that point is driven to the listeners to give the listener the best possible product. And so when you were growing up, what what did you want to be when you grew up? I, I was uh, kind of undecided, but always kind of joked about like, oh, I'm going to work in radio. Uh, and then I even had a guidance counselor who I kind of floated that idea after like taking one of these career day tests mm-hmm. where I didn't really like excel in anything. But I said, well, I'm going to go into radio. And she at the time was like, well, that's not like an obtainable goal or whatever it was. I just remember it was very a negative uh, kind of response. So I kind of shelved it a little bit. But at the same time, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't great at school. I kind of knew that I wasn't going to go to a big university or anything. My my family wasn't really like pushing me. My, my grades weren't good. Uh, but I, I kind of, you know, I was I was uh, managing a small business. A family member had had like given me like a great opportunity and I was like working with them and and I was learning about business. But the whole time when I went to school, it was like, oh, you know, you should go to business go to school for business. And I was like, well, cool. You know, I'm just going to do what the adults are saying. But then I kind of realized pretty quickly, like if you want to run a business, you don't need a degree in business. You just need money and a great idea. And maybe you can get some backers to fund that. So I switched my major to radio and I took a radio class and well, I took the radio class. Then I switched the major. And then I kind of went, went from there and, and just kind of full on, went into radio. I did a couple of years in TV, which that even made me realize I wanted to still work in radio. And, and that's where I've been. And uh, I've been doing, been working in radio since 2010. Was there anybody that kind of like inspired you to get into radio or somebody that you looked at and were like, Hey, that's, you know, something that I'd be interested in, or was it all just something that came to you naturally? I, there was no, like, I don't, it, I don't like idolize any broadcasters. You know, either there's always the running joke like, oh, this guy wants to be the next Howard Stern. And right. I got that a lot when I was younger. Uh, never, you know, I listened to Stern a little bit, uh, but it was never like I was idolizing him or any like sports broadcasters. But I did spend a lot of time listening to the radio. I grew up as an only child. I didn't have cable growing up. I listened to the radio a lot at night. And I just was really, when I wanted to get into radio originally, it was to be on the music side. I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to play songs and talk about bands that are going to be in, in town and, and go to concert events. And I did get an opportunity to do that. I did work as a, a DJ for, for a little while on the Jersey Shore, but I got my first radio stint in talk radio and not, like when i got into talk radio it kind of all clicked like it it i i hate to say this but it, it's kind of the way i i put it together as i don't really care what comes out of the speakers yeah as long as i'm in the booth and i don't mean like i don't care what my hosts say i don't right. care what they're doing but like at that moment early on in my career when it clicked and i was like wow talk radio is where it's at 
I, like I said, I was in po politics and I did a lot of like infomercials or like doctors were like selling like what I call snake oil. And like, <laughs> I was working with Rick, the fix it guy and lawyers and, and all sorts of different shows. And for me, the content never mattered. It was just that I was in the booth and that I was able to kind of like tell someone like, Hey, it's time to move on. Or like, Oh, I think we should keep on going with this topic. So kind of like Travis Barker drumming for everybody because he doesn't care what the music sounds like as long as he can draw. So yeah, kind of. You, know, I mean, you I, want I, it to sound good, at least you know your part, your your thumbprint on it. You want that to be. So I get it. <laughs> um. So, but how did that journey come about? Because I know your story is kind of crazy with all the things that you've gone through, and you're. You know, we're not going to go into how old you are because I'm older. But uh, so uh, but how did the whole journey once you were, you know, you were in college doing all that? How did you get your first gig and how did you, you know, go about that process? Yeah, so I I grew up in New Jersey, uh, Central Jersey for the for people in Central Jersey. We're the only ones who believe in Central Jersey. <laughs> I, I went to uh, community college. Like I said, the, like going to a big university was not like part of the plan. By uh, my parent, my mom mainly, because my my parents divorced at a young age, uh, and my mom was like huge, like a student. I, my parents immigrated here from Italy. Like they were like, you you go to school, and you know we're going to America, and our the the child's going to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? So like these big aspirations for me to be a, a you know big into school, uh, but that's not how it worked out. So. Uh, I transferred to Rowan University. It's a school in South Jersey around 2009. And then I became uh, a member of the student-run radio station. And then kind of not like six months later, I became the operations manager. I was just like all in on radio when I got there. And then uh, the GM at the time, uh, Frank Hogan, he said to me, I'm going to I'm, I'm setting you up with an, an interview at, at the time with CBS radio. And I, like, again, I, I, I wanted to be in music, but this was for a talk station and uh, it, it, it worked out. I, the first interview didn't, but that was for an oldies music station. But then the, the talk side, they, they liked me. I interviewed a couple of days after the first one. So then through that, I worked for like the Phillies broadcast team for a little bit. And then uh, I graduated from college in 2012, which so I started working in the industry before graduating. Then I started working at Univision, which is my TV stint, you know, a Spanish speaking television network. I don't speak Spanish. I spent four years there, but the whole time I was searching for a full time radio producer gig where then I started to go outside the box a little bit where I lived in a van trying to like let people know like hey I want to work in radio I will do anything to do that you know a lot of places thought I was like crazy but I would say like <laughs> you know I I would say like how can you say you know I, I was working in Philly right so Philly's right. a top 10 market and they're like you're you're crazy to want to leave a top a top market and I was like yeah but I want to work for you like I will sleep in your parking lot and I will start a job and you know everything be great. I think it is a great fit. So no one liked the van thing. I guess it creeped people out. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I, I kind of agree with them in a way, you know, like I, I'm not going to fault them for that, but then I, it got to even more of a point of like, I really don't want to work in television anymore. And so then I had a friend who I was joking around with and I said, I would walk across the country and he said that was crazy. And then like a few months later or a few weeks later, he, 
said, would you ever ride a bicycle across the country? And in that moment, I said, that's what we're doing. You and me, we're going to ride across <laughs> the country. We convinced the third roommate to do it as well. And so then I, in 2016, me and two college buddies, we rode bicycles from New Jersey to California uh, with like no training. And then I started working at Sirius in 2016. Okay. All of that is a lot to unpack. So we're going <laughs> to look in a little further at a couple of those things. But no. Okay. So first of all, I think the van thing is super cool. Um, and I know I've, I was, I don't know if you want to call it doing research, but I was stalking you earlier. And um, no, I saw all your little, uh, the facts you had about the states and everything on your website. And a lot of it had to do with sleeping in places. Uh, where's the coolest place you've ever slept? Rico, Colorado in a post office is my all-time favorite spot. And uh, mainly because Rico is this tiny town. It's like a, just one like street in the middle of the mountains. And there's like these hot springs. They're like famous for their hot springs that are like hidden like, uh, like under a bridge. I didn't go in the hot spring, but I, I just remember like we asked this restaurant that had a hotel component like they – that they weren't renting out. It was just for like seasonal employees for the winter because it was by like one of the ski resorts. And we were like, Hey, is there any way we could just sleep in a room? And they were like, no. So one of the employees overheard us get rejected. and was like, you know, you could just like stay in the, the <laughs> post office. And so, yeah. And, and earlier that day, I happened to like snag the Wi-Fi password from like a nearby hostel that was full, which nice. was literally right next door to the post office. So, we were able to like stream Netflix that night uh, from the post office. But yeah, that that's one of my favorite spots that I, I slept in. Do you have anybody else come in there and be like, Hey, this is our spot to sleep. <laughs> no. no. So someone did pop in, but it wasn't to sleep, but okay. it was like definitely a local that was like faking that they had to check their mail at like three in the morning. <laughs> just to and see just want, yeah. But you know, it was, it was chill. You know, no one really bothered us. Uh, that was the only instance and it's not like we squatted we yeah. we were there that night and then we left in the morning and then never looked back yeah no i mean and it's nice air conditioned in that i mean most lobby areas that are open to the public but you know it's nice that's crazy though a great story but like the in general uh riding your bike and and not having any training for that um how do you do that <laughs> Yeah, so the the training was we watched YouTube videos. Uh, this guy, and you could probably look him up on YouTube. I believe he goes by the name Billy Ballsack, and he has some <laughs> like really great he, videos that he put together on his journey. And the whole time we were like, if Billy can do it, we can do it. And we bought a bunch of gear. We bought bicycles. I ended up returning my bicycle for a full refund at the oh. end of the trip. And like we. The, my whole thing behind it was uh, when I was getting like negative feedback about the idea before we left, everyone's like, you can't ride from New Jersey to California. And I was like, children ride bicycles. And I know I haven't ridden one in a while, but I believe that if I just ride at the pace of a child, I could eventually get there. And I thought it would take <laughs> two months, but it, it took longer. But yeah, there's the, the train you kind of train as you go it rained every day for the first two weeks which was tough and we got caught in like not i don't want to say snowstorm but it was cold enough where it was snowing in parts of pennsylvania wow. and you know there were times where we were 
it was good to have friends, right? Your friends can help you get through some mental challenges where physically we were fine, but mentally when you text your friends back at home, you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania. And then they would Google it real quick and be like, Oh, I'm only three hours away. And you're like, well, I've been out here for seven days and you're telling me I could get home in three hours from a car, you know, mentally, uh, sometimes gets to you. And, and one of my buddy, and you know, there were different days where like, I would feel good and I would want to ride further. And then one of the other guys wouldn't, or, you know, vice versa, I would have a bad day. They would have a good day. And you just kind of have to measure out like, is this mental or physical? Like, or is it a physical pain where like your knee hurts and you can't physically ride further? Or is it mental? And then you kind of just push each other to, you know, get, get to whatever that day's goal was. We didn't have objectives each day that we really cared about hitting. It was all about just getting as far West as possible. So that, uh, that was a really good experience with just like learning how to like work as a team when maybe not everyone's on, not on the same page. And <laughs> how long did it take you to get back on a bicycle or have you been back on a bicycle since that whole trek? Yeah. Uh, I did take a while. I did, uh, it was maybe like three months, maybe longer, uh, because at the time it was real hectic. So when I finished the trip, I was in San Francisco and I, I interviewed for my current job and then I pretty much got hired a couple days later. And then I had a month to figure out how I was going to get home, which home is my van, pick up my van, move to, uh, by Washington DC and figure out where I'm going to live and, uh, how I'm going to get around. And, you know, so it was kind of like a lot of stuff was going on where I, I didn't even have time to really think about cycling. And like beforehand, I didn't ride bikes actively. So it wasn't even like part of my life, which is kind of weird to say since I was doing it for like three months straight. <laughs> but then eventually once things started to settle down, I said, I, uh, hey, let me buy a bike. I found something on Craigslist. I rode that around for a while. And then now I, I have a different bike, which is I've been like s slowly prepping it for if I'm going to do another cross-country trip um which i'm i pretty much have all the gear now and if i have time maybe i'll do it again that sounds rad i mean <laughs> it's, a, it's so, like crazy to even think that you did that but it's cool to hear the story um did did you document as you went any all the the things that you guys were doing or how did you keep track of everything we thought about it we definitely bought the gear to do it we all bought gopros and we all, I brought my laptop with me, which like, if you talk to anyone who's a cross country cyclist, they'll tell you, this is the dumbest thing. Like we're a bunch of dummies, but, uh, we, tr we tried to do it a little bit, but then it started to take away from our experience. And we weren't like these can't like, you know, we weren't like making cameras, like videos and stuff normally beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I was sending out Snapchats. I think my, my high school friends really enjoyed it and it came became this like personal thing where people were sending like very positive feedback and were excited for the end of the trip when i was posting on instagram and snapchat and this was back when snapchat was a little bit more uh newer so and and instagram was all only picture or oh, yeah. mainly picture it wasn't yeah. like as video and uh twitter for me was kind of just not like a, a huge thing like i was on it but i wasn't using it actively it was just a different time uh six seven years ago so yeah it was 
I have a few videos. We share them amongst ourselves. I was literally with one of the guys I rode with this weekend, which I haven't seen him in, in months. So, you know, oh. we always just reminisce about it. But yeah, a lot of it is memory, which is, you know, great stuff for us. And it was less about like show everyone else uh, because just at the time that wasn't really like our main focus. Is that when you first like grew out the beard or had you been doing that for a while? I would say I, I definitely went through different phases where there was like a, a beard. I kind of remember shaving it a little bit like tight to see the difference by the end of the trip. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the beard, beard life was kind of a 2015 thing. I started that and I never I got kind of long during the pandemic. But before that, I, I kind of kept it kind of neat. I, I was working a corporate job when I worked in television. I was like in a, a corporate setting. It wasn't like I was uh, producing TV shows. So I, I had to be in like some important meetings where I had to look presentable. But yeah, after that, uh, part of the reason why I got back into radio was like, all right, I don't need to wear <laughs> uh, khakis anymore. I could wear like, you know, just regular jeans and a, a hoodie, which I live in hoodies basically now. Excellent. I mean, that's great dress code. <laughs> like, yeah. totally, I'm totally down with that. Um, going back to the the van, I just want to, I, I, I know it was like a really awesome experience and it was a big part of, of your journey and everything. Um, living in a van, like, do you still have that van? No, I, I sold it. Oh no, I donated it uh, okay. because it got to a point where now I live in kind of like, it's not the city, but it's city-like and I just had it parked on the street and I kept on getting like parking tickets mm -hmm. and it was technically registered in Jersey and I never, I was tied on cash. So I was like, I don't want to like transfer play. I don't know. There's like <laughs> a lot going on, but uh, I do still have like the mattress that I, I had. Uh, what I did basically was I, I ripped out the seats in the, in this van and I built a wooden frame where I put my bed on it. And then underneath the bed, I had shelves where I kept like socks and, and stuff. And I had a, a rack where I hung, you know, like my shirts and I had a couple of drawers in there for shirts. So I had a uh, solar, like a, an electric generator so I could plug wow. in a fan during the summer. I didn't have AC, which is rough. Uh, and, and I didn't have a heater in the winter, which was rough, but I had like a heavy duty sleeping bag and, um, yeah. So it was, it was rough. Like it wasn't like the best, but at the time my goal was just save as much money as possible. I was still working a corporate job. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was kind of like live in a van at night, but then show up for work by nine and then hold a meeting, <laughs> like present a meeting. Uh, I would shower at a, a gym, 24 hour gym location. So I, it wasn't like I was rolling in like super like dirty and yeah. I, Technically, work had a shower. I never used it, but I guess I could have. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was fun for me. Like that was another thing. Like friends and I would say to them, like, "Hey, I think I'm gonna live in a van." And a lot of them were like, "You can't do that." And I'm like, "People live in their cars, you know, out of desperation. Mm -hmm. So how are you saying like I cannot live in a van?" And it was just this weird kind of like back and forth of like you can't do it yes i can and then i would show up at their house and be like here's my house look what i did so yeah yeah right i like that i like that yeah um 
did you get a lot of jokes at people asking you if you lived down by the river and all that stuff? Yes. Yep. Still to this day, <laughs> like I'll walk through the hallways at, at my current job and like, I'll get texts from people I haven't, uh, you know, that I still kind of talk to that I worked with in the, in, in wherever I've been. And yeah, I get it. I get it all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, all of that brought you, like you said, you're with Sirius XM and you're, you're doing phenomenal with that. Um, how did that process come about exactly like I, I know you told the story but like the the whole meeting up and, and interviewing and all of that jazz how did that go about yeah so part of the reason why I did the the bike trip and well so the van thing I like I said it was kind of like a little stunt to try to get attention and like everyone coming out of college has the same resume Hey, I just graduated. I want to be in this blah, blah, blah. I have this GPA, which I didn't have a great GPA, so I never put that in. But I started to think to myself, like, I need to stand out uh, in some way. And I knew I was kind of ahead of the curve because I didn't inter I didn't have an internship in radio. I, I worked in radio prior to graduating. And so I, I just looked at it as like the van thing, like I'm I'm betting on myself by like I'm still working a full-time job. I'm working part-time in radio. I had another radio job where I was on air. So I'm doing a lot. Uh, I, I started podcasting more because I thought that's where the industry was kind of like going. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wasn't really doing anything to present like who I am, where, what's my voice. So I figured maybe that will be something that people look into. I created the website, which sounds like you went to onlysandro.com or at the time it was predominantly dude in van.com. But I partly use that because I could track who's looking at my site. Like there's a, on the website I have, I can see where the IP address of people that are visiting my site. So I wanted to see if my resumes were getting to these different markets. So there's wow. kind of a method to the madness, but then it got to a point where I was, I was still getting like a lot of rejection, but I was still accumulating time, right? Cause I worked four years in TV at that time. It was roughly four to five years of radio experience, which is still new and raw and young. But in my mind, it was like, all right, I'm ready for something new. I'm ready to move on. Mm -hmm. And the bike trip was kind of like, Hey, take a break. Like stop. Be like, you're beating yourself up. You need to stop applying to these jobs and waiting for the phone call. And and uh, the rejection was it wasn't like hurting me, but it was just like there need you need to just like get away from this for a second. So I kind of still was applying. I had mm -hmm. a sign on the back of my bicycle that said, are you, are you know, uh, riding from New Jersey to California? Are you hiring a radio producer? I had my Twitter handle on it. I interviewed for a couple of places along the way. I don't remember applying to this specific fantasy sports job. But I ended up interviewing over the phone when I got to San Francisco a few days after the trip. And at, like I said, it kind of happened really quickly where it's like I was on a bus coming back from L.A. back to San Francisco because I had already gotten my flight back to the East Coast. And the, the HR person called and, you know, they were like, hey, how do you think you did? And I'm like, I don't know. I interviewed with Sirius a million times. No one ever tells me I'm hired. And she's like, oh, well, you're hired. So like, oh, cool. Good news. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and again, like kind of like that, uh, the similar pattern of people saying you're not going to get a job riding a bike across the country. 
And I was like, well, well, maybe. And then I kind of did. And it, it's it's just one of those things where like I'm I'm uh, I understand that some of us don't have like the ability to be like star quarterbacks. Right. Some of us cannot hit 50 home runs like Aaron Judge and stuff like that. Uh, but with little things, I don't really like to believe that things aren't possible. If you put your mind to it and you work at it, you'll you'll get there eventually. You just have to figure it out. You know, like the bike trip is a huge metaphor for that. I didn't know how many days it was going to take me to get to San Francisco. I didn't know how exactly I was going to get to San Francisco. I just knew that if I kept going in the direction of where my goal was, which was San Francisco, I would eventually get there. And it, it happened. So you can apply that to anything in life. You know, if you want to buy a house, you just need to save or whatever. I, I don't know because I don't I don't own a house and I, I'm not at that point in my life yet. But like, if your goal <laughs> is to be, you know, the top anchor for uh, ESPN or any of these other major sports networks. Yeah, you might not be the top anchor, but if you chip away and you work at it, there's a chance you may get that. And if you're not, if you're getting negative advice from people that have never strived to do what you're doing or something similar, then that's not really the right person to talk to. But I did talk to someone who rode a bicycle across the country and they gave me some really good advice. Uh, that's one of the podcasts I did when I was really active on my website, which now I'm not that active. And they were like, yeah, I did this X, Y, and Z. I don't really remember the conversation, but I remember afterwards saying to myself, oh, this is possible. Like I've just talked to someone who I believe did it two times. And so if they could do it, if this guy on YouTube could do it, I have friends that want to do it. I'm sure that we can, I can figure it out. When you were doing the whole bike riding, I want to go back to that real quick because it made me think, did, was there a time because I, you're really good at, you know, perseverance and, 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 you know, going and, and pushing yourself and everything. Was there a time that you felt like, uh, I don't really think this, I could do this anymore. Like my legs are giving out. I'm tired. I just don't want to do this anymore. Me. No, I, I have a, uh, one of my buddies who was on the trip that did have, days i think both of them i mean there were days where i was riding and i'm like mm. i want to stop today but yeah. it wasn't really like a safe area but in my mind i had set that i don't want to go back to my old tv job right i didn't want to just give up and do that and that me kind of suffering is not the right word but like for this case like in the moment you're going to be over dramatic I remember like yelling out, like, <laughs> I'd rather suffer on this mountain than go back to that cubicle. And I was just motivated. I had a I had a radio station at the time that called me out on air and was like, I'm we are not gonna hire the van guy. And that drove me a little bit. And you know, the the voices and the chatter of oh, you can't ride across the country and like that like I I don't I don't like to compare myself to Michael Jordan. Like that's a little ridiculous, <laughs> but when I was watching the last dance and there were, uh, I forget which episode it was. There was, there were players that said, you know, Jordan would kind of create these narratives to motive, motivate himself to, to play and get in a mindset for playoffs and certain games and matchups. And I can totally see that. And I can, I, have a little bit of that chip on my shoulder where you know when i'm 
working towards something that I really do care about. And I'm hearing, you know, this is not, you can't do it. You know, you, you, you'll never get that or whatever the negative is. I kind of create it. And sometimes like people won't even say it, but in my mind, I'll like create this narrative where like, Oh, I bet, I bet my uh, second grade teacher is really thinking negative about me right now for no reason. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, there's no, no reason for second teacher to like second grade teacher to even think about me. So yeah, I'd never had an instance where I wanted to give up. I did have sure. moments where I was like, this is tough, but this is still better than going and clocking in nine to five at that, at those other jobs. And, you know, we like at the end of the day, I was very thankful and grateful mm -hmm. that I was closer because I would look at the map and I'd be like, oh, wow. I like I'm in, you know, the middle of Missouri right now. I've never been to Missouri, but I got here on a bicycle. So like maybe soon I'll be in Kansas and then you get to Kansas and then they're like, oh, now I'm in Colorado. It's like so you see progress and that's what got me like kept me motivated. Yeah, I'm, I'm that type of person. I have to see the progress, <laughs> like actually look at it and see that, that like I'm actually doing something and obtaining what I'm trying to get to. So you got to where you wanted to get to, which is you joined up with Sirius. Um, do you remember like the first day you started work? Like, because I remember my first days at certain jobs and I remember being super nervous and stuff. But how did you go into like your first day? I don't. I don't really remember the first day mm -hmm. uh, because, well, I, I don't really have a reason why I don't remember, <laughs> but I I do kind of remember like someone being like, oh, this is the, the bike. This is the bike guy. <laughs> and it was kind of is weird to be the bike guy when I had already had uh, experience because I started serious part time. Like I turned down a full time job at the end of the trip. I had a full time offer. And I turned that down and I went with the part-time because I just, I just liked the opportunity a little bit more. Uh, and I just, when I start something new in, when I work, I'm not very outgoing. You know, I, I absorb everything. I try to like learn what this job is all about. And so I, I get quiet and I just focus and, I write down a lot of notes and uh, because for me, as someone who's uh, I'm in a very vulnerable spot when I'm running the board of a radio show, right? You hit one wrong button. Everyone who listens to that show knows that that sound shouldn't have been played there. Every host <laughs> is going to say something. Other producers are going to say something. And for me, I like to slide in and keep things as consistent as possible and i don't like it to sound different until i get a handle on it and i understand like okay this show is very focused on baseball right so i'm not going to start talking about football while they're talking about baseball and you know some hosts like funny sounds and some don't and some like rock music and and some like hip-hop so like for me i'm i'm trying to figure out who i'm working with and what makes them the most comfortable so going back to kind of what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, like my job is to make sure that whatever the host, want, whatever message they want to convey, that I'm there to help them develop that narrative. So if they like hip hop music and that gets them in the groove and that gets them in the zone, but I come in with hard rock music and that's not their thing for a second that I'm not going to say that's going to totally derail them, but it might kind of like, oh yeah, that's a new song. Haven't ever heard that before. <laughs> you know, like, and yeah. I don't, I don't want the the listener who might be a diehard of this show to say like oh yeah uh 
you know, host A would never want this this song played. You know, like it's yeah, people get protective of their favorite shows. So uh that's that's I just kind of remember like people didn't really get to know me uh for a while. And and that's normal. I mean, that was every all my TV jobs or my TV job, my other radio jobs, they uh they all like after a few months were like, okay, this is the guy that we we hired. So coming into a job where you're involved in a fantasy football as the main focus and when you're doing fantasy sports and everything uh, completely, you know, you, you were basically saying that you were looking to do basically whatever was, you know, presented to you and you fell into this fantasy football, well fell into you, you rode into this fantasy football, uh, you know, sector and, I just was wondering, like, had you played fantasy football or any fantasy sports before you joined up with them or did you start after? So I did, but not at the level of right now. And that was one of the <laughs> that was one of the questions they asked as well. Like when I was interviewing, uh, you know, fantasy football was always king for uh, me. And back then it was like one or two leagues. So like. That's compared to now. I'm in three slow drafts as we speak uh, right now in late August. And I yeah. have a boatload of drafts coming up. And this past weekend, I drove three <laughs> and a half hours to New Jersey to do an at-home in-person league from high school. And like, so my life now is a lot of fantasy. But prior to, it wasn't as big. I did like a basketball league just to be, you know, just it's just like college friends and high school friends. Like, hey, this is just like one thing that we can do. And Maybe some people aren't setting lineups and it wasn't like serious, serious, but what helps drive me as someone who's a, uh, you know, in the production portion of it and working as a radio producer is that the hosts, the producers, and a lot of people around the office are very passionate about the product. And what I mean by product is talking about fantasy sports. So for me, it was easy to get to buy in because all the people I was working with and I still work with all bought in and even like fantasy baseball. Like I was never big into that, but because my hosts are so passionate about it, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't the way my DNA works. I just can't get passionate about baseball season or, you know, placing a few wagers on a baseball game or player prop for me. It's, it's more about player props because player props translate to fantasy more than anything. And so, Baseball, I'll watch games now way more than I used to. I will play in a couple fantasy leagues, uh, mainly hitters only leagues because I pitching I just don't understand much. But you know, my hosts are super passionate about everything and the people around me. And again, we talked about the expo and FSGA and all these different events. Like mm-hmm. these are people that have dedicated their lives to this, whether it's on a part-time or a full-time basis. And it's just an amazing community where I feel like my portion and my contribution is helping everyone who's a fan hear the best possible product and having my host be able to deliver the best possible content. And so that's the, it's this huge formula of, yeah, I I am way more, I'm way more into it now. And it's, it's fun. I mean, every day is a fun day. I don't walk into work regretting anything. I don't feel like I'm, uh, you know, worn out. I, I go through my shows and I, I'm, texting and talking with people in the industry all the time and and just 
looking at things as like a someone who can help deliver content in in the best way that I know how to at least. And the way you deliver content is so awesome because I've had so many different types of people come on here that put out all different kinds of content and everything. And you've kind of dabbled in a lot of different things. Just, you know, like you said, you were in TV for a while and you have been on the radio and behind the mic and everything. Um, are you, have you always been comfortable in front of the camera or behind the microphone? Or is that something that you had to learn to get good at? That's a great question because I honestly have no desire to even be on air or I, and I, and my TV job was behind the scenes. So I wasn't in front of the camera and I had always focused on the radio side. Even when I had to take TV production mm -hmm. at Rowan uh, university, I opted when we, our final project was to put on a full like TV newscast and I opted to do the audio part. Uh, I did not want to be the talent. I don't mind being the talent. You know, when I do like podcasts, I don't prefer to be the one. And what I mean by that is like the lead. I don't like to be the lead. I don't even like to be the second voice. If you listen to a morning radio show, I'd rather be what I like to call the third mic or like the yeah. guy that or girl that kind of like chimes in uh, every once in a while. So I'm comfortable with it. I'm cool with it. It's funny you bring that up because I was literally talking to Andy Barons about this at the at the expo. Hi, and he's like, I, you know, I, I, you know, you seem like you're comfortable behind the mic. And I'm like, dude, I don't even care if my host tells me never talk on the air again. But when I do get the chance to crack open the mic, you know, I do try to get be me as much as possible. And people think I'm putting on like a a, a personality. But in many cases, I'm. I'm kind of like your off the wall fantasy drafter guy. Like I'm not going and drafting guys like uh, way like many rounds over ADP, right? Like I'm not getting like a fifth string wide receiver in the third round, but when it comes to DFS and betting, I love the fact that like, I like I'm all in on birthday touchdowns. I look at when players have their birthdays <laughs> and I'm all in on Hey, this player could go off and I like to use the human element to my advantage or I'll see like last year I was all in on Quintus Cephas and people weren't even drafting him and he scored week one and he was getting receptions and targets week two. And then unfortunately he, he got injured, uh, you know, a couple of weeks into the season. But the fact that like, I, I saw this wide receiver and I was like, I don't know why no one likes him. I mean, he's kind of the number two. And I do like to make those little like research projects for myself based on like the, the hosts I work with who are so passionate. It's like, I found my own angle of like, Oh, well, here's a player that I think could be worth just stashing. And so that's where I kind of get like my voice and where I, I get comfortable. Cause I, I do try to stay as authentic to myself as possible. And with those talk radio, like in the morning when I listen to like sports radio or whatever, it is always the third mic guy, though, that I am like, that's the least annoying one. And it's because he doesn't say as much stuff or whatever. But like, but he said, but everything that comes out, you know, so like when I hear you talk and stuff, I'm like, wow, you really get to the point. But you're really good at explaining things. And I just like the Kate. I don't know. It's weird to say, like, you like the cadence of someone's voice. But I think you have a really good voice for, you know, podcasting and radio and all of that. I, re I really do. So you know. I, pre I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I also do believe that because you get me in limited stints, it's like 
I really can't, I can't irk people too much because <laughs> I'm not like going on like a 15 minute tirade about how you need to look at Chris Moore in a different way. You know, I'm not going on and on and on about random uh, third string, you know, fourth string, you know, Jawan Jennings uh, going on like this long ass uh, <laughs> tirade about it. But if I come in in 15 to 30 seconds of, I like this player, X, Y, and Z, birthday narrative, hometown, revenge, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's only 30 seconds of your day, and you can laugh it off. And uh, if you really think I'm a dummy, I mean, my DMs are open at only Sandro. I mean, I give my phone number out uh, all the time on air. You know, I tell people you can tell me whatever you want, right? So, I mean, anyone who's listening to this, 216-532-5122. Oh, let, yeah. let me know what you think. Like I, <laughs> I I'm just here okay. for, for the community. Right. Uh, I like it. You know, and, and speaking of the community going to events like uh, the expo FSGA and all the, the different conferences and things and, and doing a live show or doing live shows at, at these locations, how is it different from how you usually do your shows? And have you had to adjust things to kind of make it go more smoothly when you're on the road? It's a great question. I I had experience doing remotes prior to Sirius, which, you know, I, uh, when I was doing the radio show as a on-air DJ, I was doing it as a remote on the boardwalk of, uh, in, in Wildwood, New Jersey, which is, you know, it's a pretty popular like destination spot for vacation. So that was a full on remote all the time. Uh, so I had experience with doing that. Um, and then I've done a couple of remotes with Sirius and my other radio jobs. So the difference I would say is uh, I, I like to be hands-on when I'm at the studio on my normal gig. Like I, lo- I like to run the board. I like to be in control of like the sound and, and everything going on. When When I'm at the expo or other events, you're more of like directing traffic because a lot of the show is still being run at home base. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're, What's great about the expo is through the years, I've met a lot of great people and it's very easy to get like guests. And I think that's a goal that when you're at a live event, you want to hear voices that Mm -hmm. are different from what you're normally hearing. And that's mainly because the opportunity of having them right then and there and having an interview with someone in person, it can sometimes be, uh, it's different. It's definitely different, but sometimes it can be more fulfilling by Ex, you know, talking over like, oh yeah, did you buy the seven dollar hot dog? Like that could be a conversation which you're not going <laughs> to have like in your normal. Uh, I'm going to call you on the phone. So uh, those those like in person interactions are great, and the remotes are are huge for that. And it, you know, it also I like that we are at these events because it it does highlight like you know what I believe are important parts of the industry that aren't just here's rankings, here's advice, here's how you win your league. It's, oh, here, you can you can be here and show that you're a fan or break, try to break into the industry. And I was having conversations with people that would say, hey, I want to do what you do. How do I do that? And I was like, well, you got to quit your job, ride a bicycle across the country. <laughs> you know? no, but seriously, I would tell them, like, you, you just got to keep on chipping away. And I mean, yeah. that's the main thing. And that, that the, so the remotes are fun. Uh, they are different. But they're not uh, there. It's not like there's anything like unexpected. I mean, Sirius is a great company and we have like a really good like setup and we have a really everything's down to a science and we're always growing and, and learning. But at the same time, we have we have a very good baseline where 
the the remotes don't really uh, go off the rails. Um, you know, knock on wood. Next time I watch, <laughs> like I'm gonna have to like string stuff together with like duct tape. But no, I, I, it's uh, it they're they're fun. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a blast. I I walked by and like I saw Hutchinson Brown was uh, getting interviewed, and it was just cool to see like the different people. And they're all, you know, I'm gonna be on. So it, it's cool to be able to see that up close. I think for us as fans, it's really cool. To, like you were saying, you know, people want to, you know, oh, I want to do what you do. So it's really cool to be able to see that in person and be like, wow, you know, that's how it, that's how it is. Like, that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> um, so being at like the expo or being at any of those events is one thing, but then like you got before that you've been thrown things like when the pandemic hit, when COVID hit, how was, how was your work experience then? Like, what did you have to adjust or how did things go when that all started? So the adjustment was, it was in a way like radio and, and TV, and this is more of a general way of looking at it. Like we're in a way we're considered essential workers because, you know, I know fantasy sports will we'll take that out, but just radio and broadcasting in general, like no right. one's newscasts really shut down during the pandemic. Um, where where my life changed a little bit was we were I was working on other channels and we were coming up with ideas on how to continue putting out content and there's a lot of brainstorming of like how are we going to continue doing what we're doing where you know things are shutting down and um you know how do I build out like a like a studio for me to work and if if you need me to like, you know, cut audio and stuff like that. So I, you know, I live in a one bedroom apartment. Anyone that listens to the shows knows that the apartment I live in is like a free for all. The doors don't lock the, uh, the front door to the like apartment doesn't lock. People leave like furniture in the hallways. It's, it's free for all, but <laughs> you know, how, how am I going to get by in my one bedroom apartment, uh, while living with my roommate, AKA my girlfriend, I call her the roommate. <laughs> you know, she has to work too, and her job's figuring out remote and her and I are running Ethernet cord all across this one bedroom apartment. And do we dedicate one little corner to the office? Does, uh, should we have our offices or like our workspaces separated? So I, I think that in general, like I dealt with pretty much similar things that other people were doing that weren't even in the, you know, that aren't in the radio industry, like, you know people that work, uh, you know, desk jobs or mm -hmm. whatever. So, uh, personally, I, a lot, I worked for the whole time through it. I don't, I don't, maybe I had one or two days off to kind of like, Hey, what are we going to do? But I, I kind of remember, uh, just being asked like, Hey, can you hop on these other channels and, and see what you can do, uh, to come up with like a, a game plan. And, um, I'll be honest, a lot of it's blurry cause I was working like really long days and I don't regret any of that. I really, right. you know, for me, it's again, it comes out, comes down to uh, the sound and right. Like it doesn't matter what's coming out of the speakers as long as it sounds good and the hosts are comfortable and gave me an opportunity to work with hosts I've never worked with before, still in the sports industry, but like in, in a different uh, department of of the company. Well, that's pretty cool as well. You brought up, you brought up the, the girlfriend. I wanted to, to ask, 
was she with you when you lived in the van or was that not going on then? We met. Uh, so I met her at my old job. Okay. And I was living in the van. <laughs> she does. Like, she does talk about how she like broke the news to her mom. Like, Hey, I'm talking <laughs> to this guy and he lives in a van. Um, I like to say that we've only been dating for six to eight weeks, but if you do the math, we moved in together in like 2016, 17. So six to eight weeks isn't the right <laughs> math. At least that's what she reminds me. Uh, but yeah, so we, we talked before I left on my bike trip and we talked when I was in the van. Um, and then we, we guess we got more serious once I, I finally got a job. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm sure she's super supportive of you and your career as well. Of course. I, that's the only way this works. I mean, yeah. there are, there are different, uh, definitely instances where I, I don't know if she knew, if I knew, like if I thought anything, if I planned it out, you know, at, there was a point where I was part time <laughs> yeah. uh, in radio and then I had a second radio job. Uh, and then I was Ubering and then I worked at world market stocking shelves. And I was doing a lot of these odd jobs. And just for me, it was to just to kind of like continue working in radio, uh, which again, you know, it, I always say like, if you really want to do something, it's, you might not have a comfortable experience doing it. Like you're not just going to sit on your couch or at home and, and be enjoying your time while trying to build towards like what I consider me having like a dream career, uh, go kind of going back to sports just cause that's what we all connect on. Like you hear about players like in the gym making like a hundred free throws, even though they're fine making free throws, but they're always going to be training. Uh, I'm watching hard knocks with the lions. I'm in Ross St. Brown at the jug machine, 202, uh, balls making 202 catches every day. Like he's working every day. And that's not like the, the sexy part of being a wide receiver standing in front right. of a jug machine, but he's putting in the work and the reps. And for me, like the work and the reps were, it doesn't matter if I'm working full-time or part-time in radio, this will eventually work out. But along the way, I still have to pay my bills and I have to, you know, save and think of my future. And I will, you know, I'll drive for Uber or, or I used to deliver food on my bicycle for Uber. And like, you'll do like other jobs that aren't related, but they, they still help you, you know, obtain your dream and your goal. Do your friends, do they hit you up for fantasy football advice or ask you if you got any inside scoop or anything like that? So the funny thing is uh, some of my friends don't even realize what I do. I, I, I was at this in-person draft the other day and I'm still like, the, the, the questions that I'm getting are, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I work for the fantasy sports channel. And it's like, no, I don't even, I didn't know that. It's like, we've been in the same league and friends for like 20 years. Um, so now the, the weird dynamic is I don't really get advice from most of my friends because we're in leagues together and they don't yeah. want to, they don't want to talk about that. I do have my one friend, Rob, that we talk often. Like it's, we talk, starting in August, basically all the way until January. And then we kind of like separate and then we get back together. But now I'm getting a friend like, uh, uh, Jules, my, my roommate again, AKA the girlfriend, uh, <laughs> her, like her friends, husbands 
will contact me. And like, <laughs> I'm getting this like whole new uh, gr- friendships based on like, Hey, it's draft season. Do you want to help me do my draft? Or if like we go to a wedding, uh, the first thing she'll do if I don't know anyone is she'll find like the husbands and say, Hey, he works in fantasy sports. Ask any question you want. So then that's where like, I get the, these conversations again, I don't do, and I always tell them I don't do rankings. So (laughs) it's hard for me to just like justify some of the stuff that I do in drafts, but because I I go by, uh, you know, basically what's going on in the moment. Right. So if a lot of running backs are going off the board, I might not just pick up a running back just because Yeah, Uh, I might go wide receiver early because then I have the best wide receivers and then running back will eventually come to you. Like, you know, JK Dobbins and Zeke are values right now in the earlier half of your draft. So if you start off with like Justin Jefferson and, you know, someone, you know, any, another wide receiver like Keenan Allen, like, I think that that balances out well, especially if you start three wide receivers that Zeke, who was a thousand yard rusher last year, like, that just makes sense to me. I, I I like that build, but then there's times where I'm like, okay, yeah, I would take Najee third overall, or I would take Cooper cup. It really just depends on the roster and my feel. So like, I, again, I don't do rankings. Right. Uh, and I just have my pet players that I really like, and I try to get them in as many leaks as possible. And you talked about driving three and a half hours to go to a draft and do it live and in person. How cool are live drafts? And if somebody hasn't done one, like, why do you think they should? If you have the right group of people, it's the it's a really great experience. And for me, it's a lot of it's the one time out of the year I see my high school friends. And this is the only way that we are still connected through this league that has been going on for years. And the few people that are remote cuz you know some some people couldn't make it, we make it an option not to show up even though most people do, but it's just mm-hmm. like it's like an all day event where we you know, reminisce about some stuff that happened back in the day. And then we talk about current stuff and everyone's at different phases. Some people have kids now, some are, you know, going back to school or they started a new job and it's just a really great way to connect with people that I, I don't talk to often, but just being in the room, we, we uh, build the board with, you know, we build a new board every year. We put index cards on it. We, you know, talk a lot of smack and it's just, it's just a fun experience that kind of, I believe just makes us reminisce about high school where like, again, we didn't really know what we were doing and uh, we just randomly built this board and everything we put up on the wall. And it's just like, this is, you know, we're, we don't really have the internet. A lot of us print out stuff. Like it's like, we kind of do it old school. Yeah. Um, even the ones that, that don't print stuff out, like, like for instance, me, I had all my stuff on an iPad where I had pre-saved the rankings that I wanted to work with. And, you know, I, I didn't have my lap, my iPad connected to Wi-Fi or anything. It was just like, I'm just going to do this. And I do a lot of stuff on paper and pen and I write myself notes and I'm constantly, I keep track of like how many players are off the board by the time I get there. So it's just, it's a super flex league. So I noticed that uh, after I took my QB in the first round, I went Justin Herbert fifth overall. Um, it was getting a little iffy where uh, my second quarterback, I got Daniel Jones, which everyone in Jersey, they're giants fans for the most part. Oh, uh, that's such a terrible pick. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I'm fine with Daniel Jones, especially at QB 24, but that's the main thing. It was QB 24. Yeah. If I wait any longer, I, the options aren't getting any better yeah. and I already have Herbert. So yeah. I'm all about drafting players based on what number they are too. Like, I don't care if, if, if I draft a player where people think it's too, you know, too early, it really just depends on how many players are off the board. If, 25 wide receivers go off in the first two to three rounds, mm -hmm. which doesn't happen normally in a draft, but just say like for yeah. some reason, everyone in the first two rounds draft wide receivers. Well, then all the running backs are value. I might, I might grab a wide receiver just so I'm not left behind, but at the same time, why not take the top two running backs in that case? Oh. So <laughs> I, I like writing down how many have been taken in each round. And I like to write down where, like, what number position, like, what number wide receiver, tight end, quarterback I had drafted to give myself, like, an idea of, like, all right, I might not have the best team on paper, but where I got players, I believe I have the top tiers in, in certain aspects. That makes sense. It does. And I'm actually, I have a live draft on Saturday, and I, I need all the tips I can get. And I really like that one. So I think I'm going to implement that as well <laughs> yeah especially if you don't have internet like yeah. i i knew I, my internet's like crap so <laughs> I, I will say too if you're doing a live in-person draft mm -hmm. always i i normally print stuff out but in this instance i didn't print out something rankings wise and if you want to use your laptop just make sure you saved it and don't rely on wi-fi right um Make sure you know the news before you get there. If you yeah. can, just use your phone. But like, I'm pretty sure when I do live drafts, the person who's running the draft will purposely like sabotage the internet, so they're the only one with it, an advantage. So I purposely <laughs> make sure that I don't need to rely on internet. I think that's the number one key to live drafts. You just don't want to be internet reliant. You want to have rankings. You want to have a cheat sheet. You want to have something, uh, and you also. Uh, keep want to keep track of stuff on your end because who i mean if the board like falls apart for whatever reason you know you you might get in trouble <laughs> did have you ever been in a a situation where like a draft's going on and something happens like andrew luck retires while you're drafting and then somebody drafted him and you're like haha have you ever been in a or somebody gets hurt or something have you ever been in a situation like that last year dobbins got hurt an oh, hour yeah. or two before the draft, someone else drafted them. I I did. I I was a scumbag. I did not say anything. Yeah, somebody I, was like that in my league. I <laughs> I but I I waited. So I I knew I was not the only one that knew that Dobbins was was out. So I waited. But there is a rule in this league that if if two picks are made. It's it's typically one pick, but like since it's in person, there's no clock and there's yeah. no like technical like you don't know when someone's pick is in kind of except for the fact that they're writing it on a card. Like so I I was just sitting there and I said, all right, I know. And I'm looking around the room and no one everyone's eyes are down, like just staring at their cheat sheet. And then two picks go by. And then uh, I forget if it was the person who drafted him or someone else, but someone brought up. Hey, Dobbins could be out. And then the guy who drafted him was like, uh, can I go back? Can we go back? And I was like, eh. hey, commissioner. I just started yelling out, commissioner, <laughs> you got a commission. That's why I'm not a commissioner in any of my leagues. I don't want to be the one that has to rule. So, yeah, I uh, I should have been nicer, but 
uh, I did I did do a very <laughs> mean thing and not say anything. I mean, you bring that up. That happened to me, though. So I'm the commish, and I'm trying to also host this thing. My wife's out of town. I'm, like, stressed out, and I totally missed the news and drafted him. And they did, everybody sat on it that knew about it and then, like, laughed about it when they, you know, took, you know, the back Gus Edwards, Gus which Edwards, then he, he which got hurt. Then he got hurt, so I was like, okay, so, I mean, yeah. that sucks for them, but karma, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's funny. Um, so do you have a specific, like, setting or format that you prefer in fantasy football or anything, like a wrinkle or something that's pretty cool? No, I so I'm in I'm in guillotine league. I'm in a couple guillotine leagues, which are fun. Mm-hmm. I I always tell people if you can get 18 people, that's that's a real fun format. But for the most part, just invite me. Let me know what the <laughs> scoring setting is, like the scoring is, and I will adjust. You know, I I don't. You know, some people say that you have to play PPR. And some people will say you have to play in half point. And the draft that I did in person was a standard league, which a lot of people don't play anymore because right. they want points per reception, which I, I understand. Uh, but to me, it it doesn't matter. Like every every game can be different. And that's what I think is great about fantasy sports. I'm in another league where quarterbacks get like a quarter point for completion. And I'm in a league where... Uh, you know, running backs get first downs or like the Scott Fishbowl has its scoring. And uh, I would say the only thing that I would prefer not to play in is I don't really care for uh, tight end premium leagues. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't really adjust my draft strategy too much to cater towards the tight end premium because I just feel like it gives the lower end tight ends more of a reason to get drafted, but at their normal place. Like I won't, I won't draft in most cases I won't draft Kelsey like super early or like Andrews, but I have been drafting a lot of Kyle Pitts this year, which is just it. it these aren't tight end premium leagues. They're just in general, just cause I feel like he's actually like a wide receiver and yeah. he's, you know, the, he's a wide receiver that can only be played in a tight end spot. So yeah, I don't, I don't really care uh, what the format is. I mean, I'm in a league that's three and done. Like you can only play, it's kind of like DFS in a sense, mm. but you can only play each player at a max three times throughout the year. So you're constantly keeping track of, you know, how I use this guy in week five. I'm looking ahead at his matchup. Maybe he'll have a good matchup in a couple of weeks. Oh, but now he's injured. He's out for six weeks and now he's met. So like you're constantly playing yeah. that game. So yeah, I, again, I don't, whatever it is, if you need a person, I'm I'm in it. I'll do salary cap or auction leagues. Uh, I'm in one coming up in a in a couple of days, and two quarterback or super flex, like whatever. I, I play in IDP leagues. Like I, it's getting to the point where I have to cut back, which I have <laughs> cut back a little bit this year. But then you know it just then you start adding more. You kind of add more because <laughs> someone comes up with a new format, yes. and you're like, oh, that's cool. Or they tell you it's a charity league, and then you're like. Well, I can't say no to a charity league. Yeah, <laughs> so yes, exactly. That's yeah. So, uh, but you brought up Scott Fishbowl, which is cool. Uh, I know that's a big part of the community as well. And you brought up Twitter earlier about how you weren't really on it a whole lot at you know when Twitter first came around when you were first on it. Um, but obviously, it's a big part of the fantasy football community. So Twitter and Scott Fishbowl, and I kind of feel like they kind of overlap in some ways. Um, but when you see something like that, you see like 
the community come together in, in that kind of way? Like, did you ever in a million years think that you'd be seeing people that had the same connect, or like the same, you know, uh, hobbies, same loves come together like that? So the Scott Fishbowl, I used to work with Scott. I used to produce a show, which yeah. I think kind of helped me get into the league once I, <laughs> once I found out what it was. Because again, yeah. I, I came into the industry kind of blind. I knew right. that fantasy sports was a thing and, you know, I knew it was big and uh, I played it with my friends. In fact, on the bike trip, I, <laughs> I we were talking about fantasy football because I was in a keeper league with, okay. with one of the guys. So, like, I remember talking about Paxton Lynch for whatever reason. I was talking about Paxton Lynch. And like I, we were debating who our keeper should be um, and Twitter for me, like at first when Twitter first came out, I had it connected to my iTunes oh. and I gained followers just because it would show like the songs I was playing. So, you That's know, cool. it, but then when you get on the channel and you realize like all the, the people and the listeners and and then you're you're talking to all these different people. Uh, you know, people that I, I read their articles without realizing, you know, I, again, I, we talked about how I, I didn't idolize anyone going into the radio industry. Right. Uh, but then it was kind of cool to like, say like, Oh, that name's familiar. Where do I know that name? Oh, I used to read their article where they would like, you know, this is a, like a love hate or a start sit or, you know, and I remember at times on Twitter prior to me working here, I, I would ask, fantasy people like who should i start sit this week and i used to be the listener and then i turned into working with the people that i used to ask and then i ended up starting to answer some of those questions myself so uh it it's funny and i was talking to elliot chris the other day uh in many ways the fantasy community is twitter there is a portion of twitter that is the fantasy community and you don't have to be active and put out content to be a part of it because you could be just a fan that's reading stats and tweets, or you could be asking questions. And I, I late at night, I do spend time looking up what people are saying with the fantasy football hashtag or what they're saying if, with just writing fantasy football. And there's times where I'll chime in and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I think you should keep this guy. And I'll notice their tweets been out for like, 20 hours and no one's answered them. And it's like, mm. Hey, you know, I don't do rankings, but if I was in your shoes, I would do this. And, uh, I, I know that a lot of people say the social media has a lot of, uh, negative aspects to it where there's a lot of hate and people are attacking each other. I try not to get buy into that. You know, I right. do, I do get a, a few hate tweets from now and then, but like not really what, you know, a lot of like, big name people, no matter what industry you're in, like yeah. big name people and actors and actresses. <laughs> yeah, but, but at the same time, I don't buy in when people come at me. Uh, I, you know, I try to keep a positive outlook on my Twitter. A lot of my Twitter isn't even really fantasy related and it's just a good, you know, for me, it's, if you stay positive, you'll receive positivity. And when you do get a lot of negativity, my go-to is I just call that person a goose and <laughs> normally they don't have a, a way to get back at me with that. And, you know, we move on. It, we'll never interact again. It's it's the internet. So I love that. <laughs> okay. So I, before we wrap everything up, though, I do want to know uh, more about hashtag get sticky. Uh, let people, because people are probably like, what? Let people know what that's all about. Um, and yeah, tell everybody what that is all about. So I, I give a free sticker of my face 
to anyone that asks. You'd literally just have to DM me, or again, I'll give out my number, 216-532-5122. You can text me. You send me your address. It's free. I will send you a sticker, hashtag get sticky, and that's it. I mean, it's play, very simple, and uh, you know, I've sent out hundreds of these stickers. Again, people offer money, and I'm like, nope, free sticker. Don't worry <laughs> about it. I will send it to you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's it. You know, nothing, it's nothing too crazy. Uh, what I did last year and I'm going to do it again this year is I, I do a draft on Twitter where I just send an invite to a random person. And I say, Hey, you're on the clock. You're at 1.01. Make a pick for team one and please send it to someone else. And I call it the Get Sticky League. That's dope. and and I put it into Sleeper, and it's a best ball league. It doesn't make any sense because we don't draft reserves. By weeks, there's no filler. There's no you know if the player gets injured, they're done for the year. But it's a way to just get different people in the industry, and maybe even not the industry. I've had some people be like, I don't know what fantasy football is, but I'll take this person. And I just, <laughs> I just put that out there. I haven't sent it out yet, but I I'm kind of trying to tweak it where it's a little bit easier to understand from last year. But I, I was able to put together a hashtag get sticky 12 team best ball league where uh, I don't know how many position or how many rounds I think I did six or seven, but literally every pick was a different person on Twitter. Uh, wow. And then I paired together all the people that were on the same teams. And at the end of the year, I announced who the winner was. There was no prize except for the people that said, Hey, I want a free sticker. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that again. And uh, yeah, it's, it should be hopefully fun. I don't know. Some people said it's, it's annoying that their timeline was flooded, but then mute me for a couple of days and then you'll be good. <laughs> no, don't mute him. It's going to be awesome. That's, that's such a great idea. Like ah, you, you've given me like, a lot to think about. I really enjoy that. Okay, Sandro. So um, can you go ahead and just let everybody know where they can find your stuff and what you got going on? Sure. Uh, at only Sandro on Twitter, Instagram, uh, you could go to only I really don't update that often, but you know, my emails all in there and uh, I've given out my number a few times. Uh, what I'm working on, I, uh, nothing really. Again, I, I do like to help uh, with my job. Like get, my hosts, their content delivered. So, you know, I'm not really podcasting or anything at the moment, but I will be tracking and, and probably tweeting out birthday information for players. I did that all last week. I, I put who I thought was relevant in what I call the uh, birthday algo. Uh, and you know, that's pretty much all you'll get during the football and my, <laughs> my reactions to fifth string wide receivers that should have gotten more opportunities. So yeah. I'm just here. I'm a, I'm a guy who's just on Twitter and that is probably one of the luckiest fantasy football and fantasy sports fans because I get to kind of just do it every day. And that's it. For sure. Yeah. Super lucky, super awesome and a super, super nice dude. So if you guys are following him, go check him out and uh, yeah, give him all the support. Hashtag get sticky. And also, remember to come back next week for another episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. Stay red. Right.